0: Hey guys, it's Brittany. Welcome to another episode of the All My Favorite People podcast, where we have long-form conversations and hear stories from people who are bringing truth, inspiration, and encouragement into the world. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Here we go. Hey guys, it's Brittany Jones. Welcome to another episode of the All My Favorite People podcast. With me today, I have my friend and former guest, author James Fink. Hey James, how are you?
1: Good morning, Brittany. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me back. It's an honor.
0: Yes. Well, you keep writing books, so we got to keep having you back, my friend. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Awesome. Well, uh, like I just said, James has a new book that he just, uh, it's actually releasing. What is the date that it releases?
1: We're out. We're out. We're live. We're on Amazon. It's out. Um, People can find it on Amazon or Chirp or Audible or anywhere you find your audiobooks, since I know you are a the first person actually, the first person who we talked, this was about a year ago when I came out with the first book. And you were the first one who when we started talking about it, who said, Do you have audio? Do you have audio? And it really did surprise me. I and mean, maybe you can talk about that, but it is surprised to me how many people are either exclusively audio or now just prefer audio and are listening to audio books nonstop.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I'm busy mama. I'm always in my car. I'm sitting here working and it's nice to just plug in and listen and I'm kind of multitasking. So I know there's people who love like physical book to hold in their hand. They love the paper. I get it. I totally do. Um, it's just not feasible for like time and life anymore. So thank you for doing that. I super appreciate it.
1: Of course. Of course. My pleasure. Yeah. I hate it. I telling people, you know, when people would ask, it's like, Oh no, I didn't do it in the format that you want to hear the message. So, it, you know, that was not a message that I wanted to be giving. So anyway, it was was, was great. Hooked up with an awesome, um, awesome narrator, really great guy, Nashville guy. Actually, we were just talking, I know, about uh, Nashville and Ben Shapiro uh, before we started. But anyway, um, so far, so good.
0: Yeah. Well, I was listening to it and uh, you got a good guy to read it too, because sometimes we were, I was talking about this with my husband the other day. They're like, sometimes um, you listen to the audio book and the voice is so like, weirds you out that you're like I can't even listen to this so good job on on getting a good good voice for that too um so yeah the book is called Fib Dead or God and it's the newest book by uh James here and let's jump right in I'll I'll actually have you share a little bit about yourself I know you've been on the podcast before so people may remember you from last March when you were on but give us a little brief uh little intro about you and your family, and then we'll jump into the awesome content that is in your book.
1: Sure. Great. Yeah. And like I said, thanks again. It just is. It's awesome to get to catch up to now an old friend, you know, someone who we've been, uh, we've been going back and forth on this stuff um, for a while. So anyway, like I said, James Fink, um, it's still Sounds weird to your author James Fink, because this really has not was not my primary profession was not something um you and I talked about this really wasn't my plan or something like that you know I've got a career in the insurance industry and everything that um is my you know kind of day job full time job and really fell into um fell into writing books um, We started looking at some home group with our church, and I had been kind of into. Christian apologetics and into you know, just been reading up and kind of just been into, uh, into that kind of thing. And so with the pandemic, with all, you know, everything going on, we said, all right, we want to really make sure that we stay tied together, you know, with, with our churches every church getting creative and okay, how are we going to make sure that, you know, the body of Christ is able to still communicate even like you and I right now sitting really across the country from one another and being able to communicate, um, and everything. So, we thought my wife and I were, had the idea, okay, let's do a, we'll do a home group. And I'm like, well, I'm an apologetics nerd. I love that. You know, it's just a topic I like. So um, I started kind of mapping out the curriculum, you know, what would we talk about and everything. And a lot of apologetic stuff is highly academic, not necessarily dry, but just most believers I know really aren't into reading that kind of stuff and um, forget about unbelievers, you know, like just really not into it. So really what I looked at was like, okay, I'm reading this stuff, but how do we bring it to fellow believers in a way that's kind of entertaining and just something that people would enjoy to want to learn about. So anyway, I started mapping out kind of a curriculum for this home group. And as I'm laying it out, mapping it out, it's essentially is a book outline. And I'm like, I, I'm like, you know, light bulb goes off of, I think I could write this, you know. And so um being that it was quarantine quarantine time, all of a sudden it was like I'm home more than I ever was before, traveling less than I was before. Um, don't have that commute every day, you know, of whatever 45 minutes back and forth from the office. So had more time and said, all right, well let me put a little let me put a little bit of time into this and that has now snowballed into here we are, whatever, a year that that first book is going to be a year old um, next month. And we've got thousands of copies now that we're in seven countries, which is totally cool. It's just an amazing platform to be able to. Um, that's what you know, we're called to do, share the good news with all nations. And it's like, wow, now with self-publishing, you can get the word out to all nations. So um, awesome. it snowballed.
0: That's so cool. Well, I love that. And I gave your book, your first book. Uh tell me the name of it again. I had it right here. The first oh, you book. Don't,
1: you don't need a PhD to find God.
0: Yes, thank you. Sorry. Um, uh, I actually gave my copy away to a gentleman in our small group. His 16-year-old son is really struggling with the concepts of Christianity and like has grown up in church, but is adamantly rebelling, if you will. And um, I was like, I think this would be really good for your son because it, you know, the thing that I loved about it, and I don't want to focus on that one too much, but I did just want to say kind of as a follow-up to being able to um read it and and share it with other people, um it just does did such a great job of really breaking it down into understandable Like, literally, the 16-year-old can read it all the way through, understand all the words, understand the concepts. Like you said, it is a bit, like, scholarly and nerdy, maybe a little bit. But I'm right there with you. I love that kind of stuff. Um, But it did really break it down in in a way that was very palatable and very easy to understand, I think, for most people. So that was... I loved that.
1: Praise God. Praise God. It's... You hit it, like the truth is logical the truth is rational so we know that you know jesus is the truth you know the way and so um we should be able to logically walk through things and just lay out it like i said often to me it comes down to um just the means in which the information that kind of gets disseminated and you have this rub of you know faith yes of course, you know, like, that's how we're saved is faith alone, you know, in in Christ alone. That's how we're saved. But faith does not people mistake, I think faith for blind faith, we're really not called to have just blind faith, because, um, you know, the word tells us other things like, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul and your mind. So it's like, okay, um, I should be able to use my mind then to study the word, to be diligent, to grow my relationship deeper with God. And so, yes, it's not something, um, that's one of those kind of things that gets twisted in our culture today, particularly by unbelievers is, well, um, you know, it's just, that's just like, you know, made up stuff and un- uneducated people who, uh, you know, would believe in the word and. What you are up against, and we've talked about this most of the time, are taglines. That is what the other side is using, generally speaking, on believers is taglines or, and we can, I'd love to talk about this after, um, spiritual whack-a-mole, you know, as I call it, is um, kind of going around in circles. The purpose of my books is to equip believers, to train up believers, because um, it's not just for kind of the pastor to be able to explain this stuff or for professional apologists to be able to explain this stuff every single one of us every believer is supposed to be able to at some level you know first peter says it you know the word tells us is always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that's in you so if that reason is oh well uh, my parents brought me to church that's why i believe like you're not going to get too far with that outside of your four walls of the church. So if we want to train our people up to go and share the good news, it has to be something deeper than, well, um, that's, that's just where I grew up. You know, I just, because my parents showed me that, well, I don't know your parents have been wrong about other things before, you know, maybe not you, you know, not you as a mom, but you know, any other parent or or me, I, I maybe haven't been, but, um, it has to be deeper than that. And that's kind of what the books um, are trying to convey.
0: Yeah. And I love that you touched on that right off the bat, because that was me, even three, four or five years ago. I, I actually, if I'm being honest, kind of looked at it as a positive, like, I don't know, I just believe. And, you know, that's how I was raised. And I've always had this, like, this faith. And, and, and really, I I truly believed at that time that that was like my gifting was that like, I just have faith. Well, yes, that's good. And I do, but there, there wasn't that depth. And you, you actually use quite a few um, construction analogies throughout the book. And there is something to be said for it not being this surface level. Like my parents took me to church every week and we were there every time the doors were open and I know all the verses and I can explain it logically, but. I think to your point, as far as being able to speak on the hope that we have, um, one of the other points you made was that lived experience, like this anecdotal evidence of, you know, well, God's done this in my life or that in my life. Those are great. That's a great thing too. But it isn't the actual, like you said, the word of God and how that itself transforms people um, and just the knowledge of that on a personal level beyond just lived experience.
1: Yeah, that's not what makes it true. Right. Like everything thing that you have the personal testimony, but your personal testimony is not what makes Christianity true. Um, because people have personal testimonies about all sorts of things. There are, you could find friends who would say, oh, well, you know, whatever, any sort of other religion, you know, people would say, oh, Allah, I've got, you know, a great personal testimony with Allah. I've got a great mm-hmm. personal testimony AA or the book of mormon or whatever or uh you know doing any sort of uh, occult things or yoga or all this i got great things about all these different things okay that's fine but that's not what makes it true and it, as i you know as i reference, like when you look in what uh paul said you know the holy spirit telling us in the word is um that if christ has not been risen then our preaching and your faith is worthless. So he just lays the cards on the table. It's like, if you want to know what the bottom line is, it's not my opinion on it or, you know, your opinion or something. It's what the word says is if Christ hasn't been risen, then it's worthless. So that was kind of the premise. That was kind of the light bulb. It's like, all right, you know, what makes it true? It's really simple. If you want the bottom line, if Jesus rose from the dead, Christianity is true. Paul says it, you know, the word says it, if Jesus hasn't risen from the dead, then we should be pitied because we're living as fools.
0: Mm. Well, I love that you even wrote a book on this topic because I'm about to share something that I actually haven't shared, but has been rolling around in my brain for a while. Um, I took a really deep dive into Torah over the last couple years, and I can tell that I have been sort of questioning if you will um Jesus as a story uh Jesus as a person Jesus as the crux if you will of our entire faith and um I I definitely I think more more of it if I'm being honest has to do with the um worship of Jesus as opposed to the worship of God and really that's where my questions have kind of come from not necessarily like is Jesus real or did he die on the cross? Did he raise from the dead? Um, it's really been more like, has the church misplaced our worship in regards to Jesus versus God? I know that's not in the book and that's not something that we. I'm throwing this at you right now. But I found it so interesting that you're just so stinking logical and you just point out so many good uh undeniable truths already just in in the first part of this book where it really had me going like, no, this is what I believe. And this, it kind of reaffirmed my my original, my initial belief in coming to Christ in the first place, which is, you know, it all hinges on Jesus. It all hinges on whether or not you believe he died and rose from the dead and that he was the son of God. So Um, I really appreciate this, uh, not only the book, but just the conversation around that, because, um, I think so many people, especially right now in the world, when you have like conspiracy theories flying everywhere all the time, um, I think it's easy to get kind of sucked in, even as a Christian to this idea of like, well, maybe he was just a really nice, smart, you know, loving person who had great ideas and, and, um, you know, just not necessarily believing that he was the son of God. So let, I know that's a lot, but let's unpack that a little bit um, because there are so many historical um, references to Jesus and just things that prove his existence um, that you pointed out. And I thought that you did that so well.
1: Sure. Thank you. And listen, that's um, you would Run into Christians, and I'm sure you did, you know, non stop people who, um particularly, and I know we'll get to this kind of if you know more, um would call themselves Christian, you know, we maybe like the you know CNE, and I don't know if you guys use that term, like you know, Christmas and Easter type Christians, where it's like you know, believers, believers, but um not necessarily walking out, you know, the faith um, actively or something. Um, yeah, that's the kind of thing that is so common, this idea of like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I believe in Jesus, you know, I'm just ah, the miracles and just kind of, you know, him raising from the dead. I'm just really not sure. Um, you know, I'm just not not sure about that. And Paul Washer actually talks about how if he could totally change um, unbelievers and really a big portion of the country with one word, uh, he could totally change the perception of Jesus because you will rarely find anyone who wants to um, knock Jesus down, even unbelievers, even people who are kind of, you know, just like wanna do the uh, make, your own, make your own religion and just kind of pick and choose a little bit from every, uh, every different one. They don't want to say something against Jesus. So Paul Washington, the point was, if he said, um, I'm a way, a truth, a life, there'd be no issue whatsoever. Nobody would have a problem with it. The issue is that's not what he said. Jesus said, um, the way, the truth, the life. And then if it wasn't clear, follows it up with no one comes to the father except through me. So there's a rub here of if he's a nice guy, then it can't be both ways. You know, he can't be a wise moral teacher and then also be lying about the fact that no one comes to the father except through me. So um, Paul Washer makes the point, which is true. People love Jesus. They want Jesus. But the biggest issue is the exclusivity of his claims. He's making the claim, even like, I think maybe a little bit of what you're getting at of with the Torah and different things of, well, is there a way we can get at this that's not just Jesus? Well, not based on what he said. And that's one of the rubs of people will say to you, well, isn't it arrogant to believe that? It's only Jesus. Isn't it kind of like, you know, kind of arrogant that you guys would think it's only about Jesus? If I said it, definitely. Because if I made that up, then sure, you know, I'm just like, oh, it's just what I want. I didn't say it. He said it. So everything comes back to what we got out, which is the bottom line, the cards on the table. If Jesus rose from the dead, Christianity is true. If he rose from the dead, then I have to take him at his word that he is who he said he is. And he said, no one comes to the father except through me. So it's like, how am I, you know, we're trying to run circles around something that it's like, it'd be a lot more convenient if we could just say, well, yeah, but um, you know, maybe we're you know too focused on. G- yeah. But like, that's what he said. So if I'm taking him for it, I've got to go one direction or the other. Yeah. Really. There is no middle ground on that.
0: Yeah. And to your point that you make in the book too, it's not all these ancillary issues. Like, I had another pastor on and we talked about don't major in the minors and it really, the conversation is similar, I think to this one, in the sense that we get so caught up in um, and you touch on this in the book, we get so caught up in um, whether that's like denominational differences or like just all these ancillary issues that at the heart don't really matter. I mean, they matter to people, but they necessarily don't matter as far as like our salvation is concerned. And so it seems so obvious that in the way that you said it, like all these other things are kind of like part B, you really have to nail down Jesus uh, as being the son of God and rose from the dead. You have to nail that down first. And I don't, I don't know that I've ever necessarily heard it that way.
1: It's, um, again, it's like nothing earth shattering or, you know, like some new revelation that it really is. Like you said, like, that's why I call it Christianity uncomplicated the the book series, because it's like, this is just walking through, like, I kind of make the, you know, make the metaphor of like people are upstairs getting, spending their days trying to pick out paint colors, you know, for the bathroom upstairs, but they haven't even gone downstairs to know if the foundation is crumbling or not. So it's like, You better go and shore up and make sure that your foundation is there before we're going to spend all day going back and forth on something that like, yes, it's enjoyable conversation. And I could give you I'll give you this quick story on this is kind of what sparked this, you know, what the light bulb was. And this is only God could. use a dentist appointment for his glory because this came and like, you know, who wants to even think about or or hear about going to the dentist, whatever. But, um, that was kind of what did spark this, this second book, the second volume in this, because I went in, um, had a whatever regular teeth cleaning. Um, and I had a stack of books that I was bringing in for my dentist and the hygienist and everything. And this dentist, I have legitimately, like, since I was, he's done generations of my family. Like I've been going to him since I was a boy. Like, so we've got a nice relationship and everything. And um, so I brought him in a book and had it, you know, little message for him and everything. It was wonderful. And so he comes in at the end of my appointment and, you know, I give him the book. He starts asking about, you know, what's it about? And I'm telling him, oh, it's Christian apologetics, you know, just kind of gives a rational defense of the faith. And we, (laughs) the hygienist jaw was on the ground because all of a sudden he just starts asking questions, and we went virtually like you know from one end of the spectrum to the other on all the, you know the exclusivity of Jesus's claims, same sex marriage, any the Crusades. Um, I you know I think some Christians use their uh, beliefs to be hypocritical or to be uh, you know have prejudice. We hit all these different things. Oh, why would um, someone thank God during a basketball game? Doesn't he have better things that We hit a vast array of topics over the course of 10 minutes, I'm sitting in the dentist chair, you know, he's asking, you know, thing after thing, after thing, after thing. And um, that was where the term spiritual whack-a-mole came because it was like, you know, one thing, Oh, well, isn't it arrogant to believe that it's only Jesus. Okay. Well, I'll address that. Now we move on to the next thing. Well, what about the crusades? Now we move on to that. Oh, well, what about same-sex marriage? Some of the, um, some of the families that we have here are wonderful people address that. And we hit all these different issues. But as soon as one was done, another one randomly popped up in another spot. So it was truly spiritual whack-a-mole. And then finally, at the end of the conversation, like I said, about 10 minutes, he um, makes it clear that like we just talked about, Jesus, if you just took the miracles out of what he did, if you just took his teachings and things like that, it's very like his teachings are wonderful. But just so he makes it clear that he doesn't believe that. Jesus is the son of God. And it was that conversation at the end of it that I'm like, that was so out of order. That was such a waste of time that we touched on all these secondary issues. When if Jesus isn't the son of God, everything I've given you, every position I've taken is all premised on the idea that Jesus is who he said he is. So it was completely out of order to touch on these other things and not get at what's the bottom line of this, which is if Jesus rose from the dead, then he is who he said he is. And if he is who he said he is, then I'm gonna go based on what he taught. And he taught that the Bible is the word of God. So it works from there of if my answer is a biblical answer, well, why do you believe the Bible? Well, because Jesus said it's the word of God. Why do you believe Jesus? Well, because he rose from the dead. So like, it always comes back to the same thing.
0: Yeah. I think his questions are valid. And I think oh. that's the other piece that, that I think many Christians overlook um, while they, while those secondary issues aren't the main issue, I definitely think um Those are the questions that you get from people who don't believe they're going to look at how Christians behave in the world (laughs) and, and the systems we've put in place over decades and, you know, years and years and question, you know, like, who is this God that you serve? Because when I look at that, it doesn't look appealing to me. And so really we're trying to really change perception, if you will, of, what it means to to live a Christ centered life and um, kind of display that in the world and have these conversations with people that that aren't that start from a good place, like you're saying, start from where where all this other where all these secondary issues then kind of jump off from.
1: And it starts. This is that's the whole strategy of this is if you want to understand. If you want to be able to convey where you're coming from as a Christian, then it starts with the resurrection. That's every conversation can start there because I believe Jesus rose from the dead and then it walks out from there. Like you're saying, it doesn't mean that those other issues are um, not worthwhile or not something that we need. Like we absolutely, you know, we need to have those conversations. Those are the kind of things that are holding people back. But. If you don't start with the foundation, you will spend so much time getting and You want to have those conversation. That's great. You have it. That will not change anything because they will pop up in another place because you have not set the foundation. That's the whole idea of the whack-a-mole is like, you can address it. And I tried, you know, it's like, hey, let me explain to you exactly why. I do. Oh, well, yeah, what about this thing? Okay, let me explain to you why that. I do. And then the next thing, and it's like, if I had just started with the bottom line of things, which is, here's why I believe that he is who he said he is, then everything else flows from that. Um, It just becomes a more efficient means to be able to have that conversation. Because I just talked to someone very close to me. We're talking about Christianity. And it's like, um, you know, who is Jesus? That's where it always starts. Who is Jesus? Well, you know, some of these pastors, can you believe they're making twenty million bucks or something. Like, what good are they actually doing? They're really not doing good for people. And like, you know, I'm, I'll say this clear, but a, I would handle it in a loving manner with them. I didn't ask your opinion about that pastor, right? Who is Jesus because in the book, and I, you know, I get into the scripture where Jesus says, "Who do I, you know, who who do the who do the men say that I am?" And his followers, you know, his follower is Matthew fourteen. You know, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Well, um, you know, some people say you're John the Baptist or, you know, one of the other prophets or something, Jesus, you know, no, no, no. Who do you say that I am? We will all be accountable for. If you believe, if you are a believer, we are all accountable for who do we say that Jesus is. And so therefore, that's the starting point of the conversation. Who is Jesus? Oh, well, um, you know, these Christians are hypocritical. I didn't ask your opinion about that. Who's Jesus? And in a lot, I'm, I'm being firm here, but like in a loving matter, obviously with whoever you're dealing with, but it is, it is of critical importance to get at who is he? And you don't get to squirm out of that by saying, Oh, well, uh, this pastor does this, or this Christian does this, or this, this denomination does this. No, no, no. You don't get to change the subject. Who is Jesus? Cause if we're about Christ following the center of the faith, is Christ. So we'll get to that. But why don't we talk about who he is first?
0: Hmm. Do you think it's been because Jesus is such a obviously integral part of our conversations in churches, do you think that it gets he gets glossed over in this manner just because it's like I know for me growing up in church like it's just you've heard it. You've heard it, you've heard it, you've heard it. It almost loses the effectiveness and the Uh, potency, if you will, to somebody who hasn't heard that. Like I, you hear all the time, like, you know, missionaries go to this part of the world and they shared the, they share Jesus with people and people are like, yes. And they're just hungry. And like, they want this information and they want to know this Jesus so bad. Whereas, you know, growing up Western culture, Christian church, you know, you're there every week. It's weird that Jesus being so much of the focal point and the forefront of our faith. And yet he isn't the starting point. A lot of times it's almost, I wonder if it's like, you're just almost numb or like you've heard it so many times that it doesn't even, it's almost, it is almost revolutionary, if you will, to say like, let's start at this point. Mm
1: -hmm. That's, that's fair. And it, it really comes down to most of the arguments that you're having with people or most of the discussions come down to the bible like is your life based on what the bible says or is your life based on something else and that's again why if we say that we're starting with jesus but then we're not connecting well how did he treat the bible he he said it was the word of god that's a disconnect because you know people say oh well yeah yeah you know i I believe in jesus i believe but Oh yeah, the Bible. I'm not really sure if it's relevant to um, today's lifestyle. Not really, and it's like, okay. So again, this is where if you bring it back, why do you believe the Bible? Well, because Jesus taught that it was the authoritative word of God. So if I'm going to believe Him, I'm going to go based on what He said about it, as opposed to what Joe Skeptic says about it. Now, two thousand years later, that they have some, they have figured it out. Two thousand years later, some special, you know, uh, new information that ah, that's really not relevant to, um, today's lifestyle, or there's some truth in there, but not necessarily everything's true. Or so who am I, if I'm taking advice from someone who is my subject matter expert, Joe skeptic or the son of God. So it's, again, it's like, it's very straightforward kind of just logical approach to, um, where I'm getting my information but we live in a fallen world <laughs> you know like in our culture if the culture's running this way and generally that that would tell you god help you turn around and run in the opposite direction of where the culture's going because it is a fallen world we are a fallen you know whatever society mm-hmm. um it will be difficult yeah you know that he sends his followers out like a sheep among wolves while it's easier to kind of go with the flow than it is to go in the opposite direction of what your friends around you, um, you know, maybe think differently.
0: Yeah. I wonder too, and and maybe this is just me speaking from personal experience. I, you know, my Instagram handle is like Jesus style. And I'm like, I feel like I'm very open about my faith. And yet a conversation about Jesus. Dying and raising from the dead, like you still sound a little crazy. Like, (laughs) if people are not on the same page as you and they haven't had that upbringing, it's a very, like, I guess my question is do you feel like the subject matter in and of itself is daunting for even most Christians to kind of broach that subject with their dentist or whoever?
1: It's exactly why, if you say, Yeah, Jesus, why do you believe that he rose from the dead? Um, that's how my parents brought me up. And so like, I just have faith that that happened. It is a different thing if you say, well, I choose to believe that Jesus rose from the dead due to facts. And okay. What do you mean by that? Well, final breath appearances, change, taught skeptics. I know that's like rolling off me quick because no one would, has heard it more than me, but yeah, uh, that is the acronym, you know, final breath appearances, change, taught skeptics. That's why I have kind of this acronym of, and we can get into this if you want, yeah. um, Equipping believers to say, this is where again the truth is you don't need to have these additional facts. You could, you're right, if you just say, I just believe it because I believe it. That's absolutely true. I kind of make the um make the point of like, let's say you were um you were about to take off in an airplane and it was um like thunder and, and lightning and everything. And I just read this. I actually didn't know this. That did you know that planes get struck by lightning like every single day? You no. get struck by lightning every day. I didn't know that either. Um, I read that. I'm like, okay. God, I
0: don't fly very often.
1: <laughs> Let's say you were about to take off and it was kind of rainy. It was kind of bad weather. And you go to the pilot and you're like, you know, um, asking essentially about like, you know, is this, is this going to be a problem And the pilots? Like, no, no, I, I, I know that, you know, I just believe that um, it's not an issue if our plane gets struck by lightning. Like, That's okay, I'm glad that you believe that. i feel a lot better if you could tell me why. And so if he goes into, well, here's what the, and then he lays out why he believes that even if you got struck by lightning, it wouldn't be a catastrophic issue. A testimony for other people, if you can say that you believe, like knowing that the Bible is true, that's a wonderful start. Being able to explain why it is true, It's such a more powerful testimony, first of all, to yourself, for your own faith, and then when you're sharing with others. So when it comes to Jesus, like that he's that he rose from the dead. Praise God. That's the first thing. But if you can explain why you believe that he rose from the dead with things like facts, you know, I choose to believe Jesus rose from the dead due to these facts. And then you can lay them down. That is so much more powerful. And you know what else it does? Instead of playing spiritual whack-a-mole, instead of letting the, because this is what the skeptic does. They, every time, and whether or not it's not necessarily a malicious thing, but like you will dance around from item to item to item to item to item. item. You will answer it and it will just be question, 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 question. And what it amounts to is absolutely zero burden of proof on the unbeliever and 100% of the burden of proof on the believer. So. The way that you can turn the dynamic on that is to say, I choose to believe that Jesus rose from the dead due to these facts. And then you can walk through these. And I can, if you want to get into them, I can go through. I choose to believe it because of these facts. So that's why I choose to believe it. How about yourself? Because you're getting a tagline. And what, what are they generally speaking when you get here? ah, It's just hard for me to believe. Okay, but I have these undeniable facts that even atheists, specialist scholars say these are undeniable facts so that's why I believe it and how about yourself um totally changes the dynamic of the conversation completely flips it on, on its head
0: the all my favorite people podcast is proudly sponsored by peace love t-shirts go to peace love t-shirt.com to see the entire all my favorite people collection of shirts hats and bags while you're there Check out the other collections from our collaborators like Healing and Hope, The Controversy, and Ink Happy. Go to peacelovet-shirt.com and use code FAVORITE for $5 off your first order. You mentioned in the book too, um, and you just mentioned it now, just some of these other uh, resources, almost like atheists, uh, scholars, professors, people who don't even maybe profess to be Christians, but have attempted to debunk Christianity over the years. I actually, we had Lee Strobel come to our church uh, a couple of years ago and I heard his testimony straight out the horse's mouth and it is powerful. And, you know, he, and you mentioned him in your book, he's one that set out to debunk Christianity and debunk the life of Jesus and um, his death and resurrection. And he is one of the more powerful and outspoken Christians in our generation, um, Lee Strobel is, because he wasn't able to do that. And so I loved that you brought that into the book as well, because I think, you know, I love tangible, I love tangible evidence. I love facts. I love um, being able to have an assurance. I think that, and I think that's really the point here, right? Is you're able to like, have an assurance of what you believe because there is facts and data and history and all of these things to kind of back it up. Um, Do you want to share a little bit about facts? I don't want to give away all the books, wonderful little nuggets, but um, facts is such a huge uh, piece of it. I think that'd be great if you could share.
1: For sure. And I, I have no problem whatsoever giving away any of the stuff in the book (laughs) um, and you know, this is the kind of stuff for believers, and I know you know your um, your listeners. These are the kind of things that will empower the believers because that's really what the purpose here is is to yeah. train ambassadors for Christ. So it's like when I started writing these, I'm like, "Ah, is this for you know? Am I who who am I writing? You know, am I writing this for someone who's an unbeliever who's kind of skeptical?" And we de- I definitely get you know hear from readers and stuff that are yes, that they are skeptical and that's why they read, but. Even more than that, at least the core of my readership thus far has been believers who now they're getting trained up so they can go out and can share this stuff with others. Like that's really, you know, be a multiplier kind of thing. Yeah. So I know we did last time we did something where your readers, we had a, a giveaway for them. I'll make this sheet because I've got a little slick little infographic here that lays out the, um, lays out the facts. We'll do that with this. But um, the whole idea it's called the minimal facts. Argument, minimal facts theory. Gary Habermas is the um, he's a world class Christian apologist, and this was kind of what his dissertation was. And this is what I do, by the way, is take someone who is world class PhD scholar and say he probably has an 800 page dissertation on this. Let me spin it into a way that I think you know I would actually want to read. You know. Yeah. Or, the one want to read. So anyway, his argument was he had the, the challenge of prove that Jesus rose from the dead, but it can't just be you saying, well, the Bible says that he rose from the dead and that's why, uh, you know, like that was his challenge. So he came up with this minimal facts argument, which is basically, he's got like five, six, seven, eight ish. He varies facts that are so well attested that they're undeniable historical facts. And it's, not only Christian scholars that believe them, not even liberal scholars that believe them, atheist specialist scholars in some sort of relevant field of antiquity, um, all virtually believe that these are historical facts. And that was kind of the bar that these had to go over for him to use them. in his dissertation was, it has it's not about what Christians believe. This is what specialist scholars who study antiquity believe based on, you know, he gets the stuff, not just from the Bible, but from all other relevant sources at that time. So anyway, I will just read, you heard me say, you know, facts, final breath appearances change taught skeptics. Um, that sounds weird, probably the first 10 times a year. But like, now to me, it's like, well, final breath appearances change taught skeptics. Those are my things. <laughs> final, um, and I'll just walk through kind of one by one, but like, final breath, Jesus died on the cross, undeniable fact. That's an undeniable. Go ahead.
0: No, 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 I'm, I'm with you
1: undeniable historical fact so uh, appearances very soon after the crucifixion his followers jesus's followers had um, real experiences that they believed were appearances of the risen jesus Um, now the atheist would tell you well they believed it was appearances wasn't actually you know they find some other reason that but it's undeniable that his followers had experiences that they believed where appearances of the risen Jesus change, their life changed radically, so much so that after Jesus is crucified, they're willing to die, they're scared and scattered. Their lives change so radically after these appearances that they're willing to die specifically for their belief in the resurrection. Taught. These things were taught shortly, virtually immediately after the crucifixion, they taught that Jesus was the Messiah, that he had risen from the dead. And then skeptics, some of the most unlikely people that you would look at in history and say, it makes no sense at all that these skeptics changed their view after Jesus died. For example, James, the um, unbelieving brother of Jesus, he actually thought that Jesus was insane before the crucifix, you know, when he went to the cross. He actually thought he was insane. And people would say that today, you know, would say, like, ah, oh, he was he was insane, he was bipolar, he was whatever. Um, but something happened after the crucifixion that converted James and changed his life so much so that he eventually was martyred for his belief in Jesus, his brother, or the apostle Paul, who used to be Saul of Tarsus. He was a zealot Jew who was specifically supposed to round up christians and bring them in like that was his duty that was his belief he believed that it was blasphemous this belief in jesus as the messiah that it was blasphemous something changed for him that turned his life around and he then became a christian who ultimately also died specifically for that belief so i'm just going to quickly now walk through it again i'm going to read these right in a row so you can hear the fact pattern as it goes because it's. Final breath appearances, change taught skeptics. Jesus died by crucifixion. Very soon afterwards, his followers had real experiences that they believed were appearances of the risen Jesus. His followers' lives were transformed due to these appearances to the point that they were willing to die specifically for their faith in the resurrection these things were taught very early soon after the crucifixion they proclaimed jesus as the messiah the son of the living god and some of the most unlikely people were converted after experiences that they believed were appearances of the risen jesus like james or saul of tarsus so why do i choose to believe that jesus rose from the Well, i choose to believe that he rose from the dead due to these facts these are undeniable facts every single one of them that even atheist specialist scholars would all will grant you these are true facts. So when I talk to an unbeliever and I tell him that's why I believe that Jesus rose from the dead, how about yourself? How come you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Dynamic, totally turned, totally changed. Those are facts, undeniable facts. So I keep this little, I've got my little um infographic here that I, I'll keep, but it literally lays out here are the facts, undeniable from Christian, liberal, and atheist scholars. And so I just can't look at those and come to any other conclusion other than he is exactly who he said he is.
0: Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing that with us because I think it's a good, uh, I love something that I can just like glance at or grab and have kind of all the details and information right there. I think um, another important thing to maybe touch on is Um, this idea of the room temperature Christian, which I know obviously in the Bible, um, we talk about, and you hear God talk about the lukewarm Christian and just being, um, like he spits him out of their mouth so that, you know, because they, um, are not necessarily one, they're not hot or cold. Right. Um, and so I'm curious when you present this to Christians as like a tool for them to use um, and to be empowered, to have these conversations with others, what kind of feedback are you getting and how is that different than what you get feedback wise from an unbeliever that you're sharing this information with? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And I think the line is blurred. That's really what is getting at is the line is blurred between, because in, in everyone knows some, but I really don't, I wouldn't say even living in New England, which, you know, they be like, you know, the frozen chosen, they sometimes refer to like, you know, you would think of New England as like, um, a place that is not the stronghold of Christianity, you know, compared to other parts of the country or something like maybe where you sit or, you know, other parts of the South and and stuff. Um, even, even with that, we're surrounded by people who, um, I guess would say are believers. And yet um, probably don't profess to believe the core beliefs of Christianity. Like, yeah, I'm a believer. Yeah. I go to the Catholic church and everything. Okay. Well, is Jesus the son of God? I'm not really sure about that. It's like, that's like the whole point of it. You know, it's like you're, you're missing the very core point of it. So, um, I think the line is very blurred between if you're bringing this to believers or you're bringing it to unbelievers, I'd say I'm talking not often to hardcore atheists. Sometimes you talk to them and that's more kind of the focus of the first book, which is like, hey, again, if I look at the scientific, the philosophical, the moral, all the kind of just, again, this is pretty obvious. The idea that you could be here and believe that um, this nothing created something out of nothing, that makes so little sense. But that that's more the first book is like hardcore atheists this really is more directed at people who are like i believe in god i believe there was a jesus maybe but i'm really not kind of sold that he was necessarily the son of god so um that's more where i think this is impactful because now you force the issue people freeze up with this which is if you present facts like i just did or kind of any of the other logical facts what often happens is people will choose to make no decision at all instead because it's like if I just lay out these facts hey here's why I believe that he rose from the dead how about yourself um yeah just uh, I'm not because the truth is logical the truth is rational and so what often people will make no decision at all you'll talk to people who are like listen there's so many religions out there there's so many different faiths out there it's like I just you know, I'm just not sure. You know, I, I'm just not sure. Like, yeah, that's good. Christianity, that's good for you. But, you know, I'm just not sure. And I tell that story. You know, the Todd White gives that story. I think it's an awesome story about, you know, the atheist. He's having a dream and um, he's walking along the fence. And on one side is Jesus and a bunch of different people. And on the other side is the devil and a bunch of different people. And he's walking along and kind of looking at them both. And then everybody just disappears. And then the devil comes back into the picture. And, you know, the devil's like, oh, you know, I was looking for you, and the man is walking along this fence in the big field, and he's like, "Listen, listen, you know, I didn't choose him, Jesus. You know, I didn't choose him, but I sure didn't choose you." And then, you know, the devil is is like, "Sure, you did. I own the fence." And then the man wakes up, and he's a believer. You know, he wakes up out of that dream as a Christian. That is so true. The fence, standing on the fence. If you're not choosing to believe that Jesus rose from the dead, you are choosing to be an unbeliever. So there is no middle ground on this to be able to say like, oh, well, I haven't really decided. I'm not sure. It's a paradox. To be undecided means you're choosing to be an unbeliever.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So there isn't a middle ground on that. And that's where lukewarm Christians, I'm using Christians loosely. That's where lukewarm Christians would sit, which is, I'm not exactly sure. There are many, Christians who would who would call themselves a Christian or call themselves a believer that would not necessarily say, "I'm sure Jesus is the Son of God and it's like that's what Christianity is isn't that he's the Son of God so um they need to look at that,
0: yeah, it actually you know it it is a shoring up of your faith, I think in reading something like this and even allowing your mind let's say you are a lukewarm christian let's say you are somebody who's been raised in the church and you do you believe in that like i believe there is a god i believe jesus was a man there's these like surface level beliefs i love this idea of knowing like with certainty um and i think that's that, that is such a huge part of the christian faith is being able to point to the verse to the the life of Jesus to whatever it is that has, um, kind of radically changed your life from, you know, unbeliever to believer and being able to say like, this is why, uh, and I think that is so important. I also, as you were just talking, it, it, it was like a reassurance to me that it it makes me pause, right. And ask myself, do I truly believe this? And I think that that is what makes something like this so powerful for people who claim to be believers is it forces you to look at the the information from a logical, like you said, and perspective and ask yourself that question. Have I just been raised in church? Do I, is my faith my own? Um, and be able to really say for sure, yes, I do believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that He r- died and rose from the dead. There is, there's a calming and a peace that comes with knowing for sure. I, I think just like your salvation, right? Like if you can stand on your salvation and say, "No, I know for sure that that I'm saved, that I'm going to heaven, that you know my life was radically changed by my encounter with Jesus." Um, there's something to be said for that. I'm in a um a group on Facebook, it's like Christian women, and a lot of the girls in this group are younger, I would say in their 20s. And there's so many questions about kind of those ancillary issues. Is this a sin? Is that a sin? Um, and I try to be kind of like a little, I, I'll be 40 this year, so I'm like, I'm a mentor, right? Um <laughs> <laughs> at least to the 20-somethings, right? Um, but I, I constantly am, am trying to pour into that community by saying like, yes, it's important to discuss these things, but once you have that assurance of your faith, once you know that you know that, I rem- I mean, I remember being, again, growing up in church, I remember being younger and putting my head on the pillow at night and being like, worried, like, if I were to die in my sleep, would I go to heaven? And I think that was always, you know, in the 80s, 90s, there was always that kind of like, Are you sure? Are you sure? You heard that a lot. At least, at least I did. Um, and in the last several years, and it has been because I've done this deep dive in apologetics, in his history, in just the logical, rational parts of learning the Bible has created a foundation now and that depth in my um i guess my security of my salvation and it is totally different than putting your head on the pillow at night wondering
1: amen praise god that's right and it it's um i was i'm like i can you, you had me, um, totally locked in on what you were saying there. Like, I'm, I'm like, man, you just entranced on that. I was like, Oh, let me look this up. Cause I want to get a scripture for you, but, um, I wasn't going to do that. Cause I got locked in on your, on your testimony. Um, Luke one, I think it, it's gotta be somewhere right in the beginning of Luke one, but he talks about, I've heard uh body back on pastor references before, where he says at the, at the very beginning, uh, I think it's, it's gotta be like right in Luke one where he says, um, that we're getting it's it doesn't reference blind faith it's i'm putting this together so that you will know with certainty and that's the you know that was the word that used was the first thing that popped into my mind was um that's that you'll know with certain you know when he's saying at the beginning this is why i put together this orderly account you know i wanted to go about it and lay it out in an orderly manner for you so that you'll know with certainty the truth about these things that have happened and it is the gospel is eyewitnesses who are telling a story during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses, so yes, these are um, it totally changes your life for me, and this is not to take like a darker turn or something, but I guess it actually is is light is um, where the rubber has met the road for me more than almost anything else has been if i've been to um funerals over the past few years, and I go there you're sitting there, and it is am I saying this so that i feel better you know just or do i actually believe that now this person who's no longer here is in heaven with the king of kings or is that just something that's like it's making me feel better in my in my day-to-day the rubber meets the road when you're with someone and you're you know again in the word reading the scriptures of you know we're not um we're not going to mourn the way that unbelievers mourn because we've got hope, we've got belief. It's built on the truth that is that is Jesus. So you're right; like it is certainty as opposed to blind faith. I believe it's Luke one. I, I, I got to find that now because now it's. But um, that's telling you is like changing everything for you.
0: Mm-hmm. What else from the book do you want our listeners to hear and know? Or uh, how can they utilize this resource moving forward if they get their hands on it? Um, how can they use it to shore up their own faith and and help the people around them that they love?
1: Sure, yeah, yeah, like I said the the um, overall goal of it is to train up ambassadors for christ and to just lay out in an entertaining i hope it's something that um, readers will find entertaining and just kind of enjoyable to to go through um and also be poured into um and learn from whatever so fib dead or god that's the title of, you know jesus fib dead or god that's what we'll get into is fib is he maybe he didn't ever exist there are actually people who believe that jesus the man never existed dead which would be Jesus, the man existed, but he's dead because he was just a guy or God. He is exactly who he said he is. So um, that's what the book is going to help you answer, which is you'll get if you went to the grocery store and you asked 100 people who is Jesus, you might get 100 different answers. And people would think that they have some unique view, some unique perspective on him, who he is. Um, but they they fit virtually all of them into those three categories. Either the man never existed, the man existed, but he was just a guy, or he actually is the son of God. He actually is who he said he is. One last thing just for you, because I think I have it in there. I'm not sure. Um, and I want to say it's Isaiah 53, but just when you look at the messianic prophecies, because I know you're talking about some of the Torah and some of the, like are we, are we too, you know, focused on Jesus and things like that. Um and I'll, I'll, I got to confirm which one it's, it's in the book, but um, I think it's Isaiah 53. But um, when you start reading messianic prophecy from, you know, the, the old Testament, whatever the Hebrew scriptures, and it reads as if it's a biography for Jesus, even though it was written five, six, 700 years before he came. And you start seeing prophecy after prophecy after prophecy that you read it and you're like, I mean, they couldn't have known because obviously this was hundreds of years. But now after the fact, you look at it, it's like, could God have made it any more clear about who, you know, you go through the specifics of these things, and especially I think it's Isaiah 53. Um, it reads like it's his biography. And you read it and you're just like, um, I don't see how anyone could have a doubt. I don't see how anyone could read the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures and not know who that's talking about and i've heard stories about people who actually go you know they go to israel and they're showing um you know jews hey what do you think about this who's it talking about oh well it's about jesus that's got to be in the new testament no no this is out of your hebrew scriptures and so um there i believe there's certainty there
0: yeah well and i i think something that's important to say too and maybe this is for my own benefit but hopefully it benefits somebody else is, I think God is okay with us questioning things. And um, I think scripture teaches us that he wants us to ask, and he wants us to wrestle. And he's totally fine with us not having the certainty. But his goal is that we have that certainty. And like, to the point that you made, um, I think you said it was Luke one, in that there should be certainty. Um, surrounding our faith, and we should be able to stand firm on the knowledge of Jesus Christ and our salvation through him and be able to kind of go into the world beyond that and share that good news with other people. But if you're not there yet, that's okay. This is a great resource for you.
1: (laughs) That's right. That's right. Well, just like, you know, Thomas, I talked about that in the first one, like Thomas, you know, who's I'm not going to believe until, um, until I put my hands in the wounds. And um, he was with Jesus, walking with Jesus, spent years with Jesus. And then after the resurrection, he's like, no, no, I'm not going to believe until I put my hands. In. So if you are don't feel bad 2000 years later that you're having some questions or something, we're supposed to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind. We are supposed to love him with our mind. Um, we are brought into deeper relationship. When we, it doesn't need, like I said, none of this, you don't need this in order to be saved, in order to um, put your faith in Jesus, but you want to build a deeper relationship and a more firm foundation and go out into the world and provide a um, witness or a testimony to other people. Giving your personal testimony is awesome, but that's about you. That's subjective. These are things that are objective, that are about Him. Um, So, anyway, and if people are, stressed out if they are um anxious about these things if they are worried. You know that's uh also another topic of mine that I've kind of um faced head on and kind of what actually brought me, you know, to make the the leap from being lukewarm in a way to really giving my, you know, life to Jesus. Um I have that free book that um you don't need a PhD to thrive with God. That's a Christian um, guidebook to demolish anxiety. It's free, anyone could download it. So, um, that's authorjamesfink.com. If people want that, if you have listeners that are have dealt with anxiety, stress, things like that, um, that was kind of like I said, has a special place in my heart because that's what God used, um, the pain that God used to to draw me closer. Um, that's another free resource that if, if people want it, um, go get
0: it, awesome. <laughs> it's on the- download it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been so great. I always love talking with you. I hope that when you are in Orlando, we can meet face to face. That would be so fantastic.
1: Absolutely. Thank you again for having me. And it really is like, you know, you're a friend. It's it's great to get to sit and just like catch up with a friend. So, thank you. Um and I do hope that it works out that uh that I'll make it down to to Florida this year and we can uh we can meet.
0: Yes. And you said author is it authorjamesfink.com? Yeah.
1: Uh, F I N K E there's an E at the end of this go so author, jamesfink.com. And there's, I've got all sorts of free stuff on there that I want to give to people to, uh, um, have as resources to train them up as ambassadors for Christ.
0: Awesome. And then you said audible, is it where, where can they find your book?
1: If they go, if they go to authorjamesfink.com, everything then from there, they can get to, um, chirp or audible or any of the audio stuff or, um, Amazon has all the, um, ebook and the paperback and all that kind of stuff.
0: Awesome. Well, you are going to direct people that way. And I think you're going to put the, we'll put the fact sheet up for people to download and, um, yeah. Awesome. Thanks, James. I am so thankful for your book. And, um, I think even our conversation today helped me wrap my mind even more solidified in, um, in what I believe. And I'm just thankful for that because I have been, like I said, all of this has been rolling around in my mind. And, and I think not necessarily that I was questioning that, and and there wasn't necessarily disbelief, but there, the culture is very, um, sly and sneaky in the way that it'll insert questions and doubt. And so I love a book that'll help me Put my feet back on firm foundation and just let those questions go and and just believe.
1: That's what the devil's been doing literally since the Garden of Eden. Yeah, he's been questioning the Word of God. That has been the same tactic literally since the Garden of Eden. Did you God? Think, okay.
0: You think we would have figured it out by now, and we wouldn't be so uh, so susceptible?
1: He's the enemy, but that that truly has been the tech. Ta- the tactic is: Did God really say that? Yeah. And that's what it is today. Oh, does the Bible really, is it really true? So anyway, um, yes, it's not a new tactic, but it's one that we will you know, continue to uh, continue to battle.
0: Well, thank you for writing something that'll help us combat that. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. All right, my friend, we'll see you soon. Take care. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please make sure to like and subscribe to this channel and hit the little notification bell. So, you know, every time I post something new, of course, check out peace love t-shirts as well. That's where you can get all of your, all my favorite people merch. And I'd love it. If you also left me a review, thanks for tuning in and I hope to see you next time. I will make your name famous from now on. So people will praise you forever and ever Psalm 45, 17, if you liked today's episode and want more info? Check out lifejesusstyle.com and hashtag lifejesusstyle on social media.